0: I'm going to try to summarize five weeks or four weeks of messages in five minutes. But I'm also going to try to cram in 13 chapters into five weeks. And how many know there's a lot to cover, right? Thank you, team. Let's give it up for our team. Thank you, team. Keep going there. But before we do that, we're going to go to God in prayer because we need God to speak to our hearts and lives. We need God, spirit to speak to our soul because we are desperate to hear not another sermon, not another message. We're desperate to hear from God himself. Would you bow your head with me today as we pray? God, as we close this series, thank you, Lord. your word. Thank you for speaking to us over these past several weeks. Today we gather around the Holy Scriptures. We gather around the message that you have placed before us today. Lord, I pray today that you would help us become the church you're calling us to be. That you would help us become the people you want us to be. Lord, let us recognize and realize that Our relationship with you is what's most important today. Our love for you. So Lord, as the pastor and the shepherd of this house and the gatekeeper over this city, may those that are here and watching and attending online and those that will watch this message in the days ahead, let them have an ear to hear what the Spirit is saying. We love you in Jesus' name. And everybody together said, amen and amen thank you so much well today is the final message in the series final sermon in series nehemiah nehemiah led one of the greatest rebuilding projects in the entire old testament if you're just joining us to hear so joining us today don't worry um you can watch all of the messages online but let me just fill you in in five minutes we're going back to 445 bc um the Jewish people were living in exile. In other words, the enemy had come in and ransacked Jerusalem, burned down the city walls, and they were destroyed. They were destroyed not for one year or 10 years or 20 years, but for 140 years. And the Jewish people that were living in Jerusalem were scattered throughout the land and throughout the country and the world. And Nehemiah who was Jewish. He was serving the Persian king. Um, He asked about the exiles that had returned. A small group of people had returned to Jerusalem and were living and trying to live in the city. They're called the remnant. And he asked how the city was. And uh, they began to talk to him and tell him how the city was still destroyed. And Nehemiah's heart broke. Nehemiah had a broken heart for his broken people and the broken walls, and the broken heart is always the catalyst to rebuild whatever's broken in your life. You got to have a broken heart. Anything done, anything that's done great in this world is because someone has had a broken heart, a passion, a burden, a desire. And Nehemiah goes back and rebuilds the wall. He faces opposition. He faces attacks. He faces the enemy. He faced the three stooges, Sam Tobiah, you know he, said, he faced the we call him the three Stooges, right? He faced those attacks. He faced discouragement and despair, but somehow, some way, Nehemiah was able to rally the people, bring them all together, and rebuild the wall in 52 days. Think about it: 140 years, and in 52 days, they rebuilt the wall. Last week we talked about overcoming discouragement. Today, I want to talk to you about reclaiming your zeal. I want to speak specifically about the church. I want to talk about the church. I want to talk about our church. We've talked about rebuilding things in our lives, rebuilding God's purposes and God's plans. But I think it's important to talk about the church today. Reclaiming your zeal, zeal. What is zeal? A really quick zeal is um, and oh, zeal is. Sorry. My fingers are tapping too quickly. Zeal is enthusiastic devotion to a cause. Zeal is when you have an enthusiastic devotion to a cause. Passion is about emotion. Sometimes we think um, passion is the same as zeal. They kind of are family members, but passion is more about emotion. Zeal is more about devotion. Let me illustrate it to you this way. This past June, my wife and I, We celebrated 25 years of marriage. We were together for over 30 years. And when we first got married, we could not wait for the wedding day. For those married couples out there, y'all remember that time when you were counting down the days and three weeks felt like three years? I don't know about you, but like three weeks was like, oh my gosh, can I make it? Are we going to like it. Three weeks, was we were so passionately in love, and we wanted to get married and start our life together. And finally, June 21st, 1997, came, and uh, we had an awesome wedding. It was so much fun, and then we went on our honeymoon, and it was amazing. And we got back, and we're on cloud nine. How many remember the honeymoon stage? You, you forgot already what that was like? All right, that's fine. Y'all don't have to talk about it, but you're going to have to explain some things when y'all get home, men and women, right? remember the honeymoon stage? How many are still on their honeymoon stage? Let's just keep going because that will mess up the whole service. But remember the honeymoon. Remember the the first year you didn't have kids and y'all didn't want to have kids. We didn't want to have kids right away because we want to enjoy dating every night and going out to dinner and going out and doing what we wanted to do until two or three years into the wedding. At least it happened for me. My wife says, come here. I have to show you a test. I'm like, what test? What test? you show me what test. I'm pregnant. And oh, my goodness, the feeling and emotion that floods your soul when you know you're going to be a father or a mother. And that was so exciting. And then nine months later, Joey comes into the world. He's such an amazing son now. <laughs> but when he was born, he didn't want to sleep. He would cry, and he would not sleep, and he wouldn't. If we left the room, he knew we were leaving the room, and there were times that we had to, like, put him to bed and, and kind of, like, sneak back in our old 1910 house in Massachusetts. We put him in the crib. We got him finally to sleep, and we go like this, and then you hear, because of the floor, and then he's, he wakes up and, like, where are you going? So we put him in our bed. Because we had to survive, parents. Y'all got to do what y'all got to do because daddy needed some sleep. Come on, somebody. And so did mommy. So we put him in the bed. And this was my thought. You know what? I don't know of any college students living or sleeping with their parents. Well, that changed. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. He doesn't sleep with us. But that's my logic was. Someday or sometime he has to get out of bed. And when we had him sleeping in the bed, we would do the ninja move. We would go like this. And then we were. this is a true story. We would roll, if I had a bed here, I'll show you. we kind of roll off the bed. And then we would be on the floor. And then we would just do the, tw- like the twirl to get out because Joey was there. And not only did this beautiful baby boy, he was the joy of our life, and, and, and but babies poop and a lot and babies bring bills and babies bring trouble and trials and I love babies I love my babies I love my son but how many know that the honeymoon phase quickly came to an end there you are wearing the aroma of diaper and baby wipes it's like your new cologne it's like those wipies all over you and you take baths in them and that's your new and then over time date night slips you're just in survival mode you're just trying to get through the motions and going through the motions and how many know that emotions and passion dissipate over time but what kept us together for 25 plus years and going strong is it just passion passion oh, passion's part of it we need to keep the passion but it's not just passion it's devotion. It's unwavering devotion. It's enthusiastic devotion that I remain faithful to my wife till death do us part. You've heard me say it before. you probably heard it before. It's a corny dad joke, but it's still true. We never talked about divorce in our home. Murder, possibly. How many are with me on that? Y'all laughing because you're on the same boat? I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill you. I won't divorce you, but I'm going to kill you. I'm not saying that to her. She's saying that to me. By the way, if anything happens, y'all know the truth, okay? (laughs) I deserve it, though. I'm a pain in the butt sometimes. What is it that kept us going? Is it emotion? Just emotion? The butterflies? Is it just the passion in the relationship? Absolutely not. Because passion comes and passion goes. But it's zeal zeal that unwavering devotion we are zealous for one another you see passion is important to start but zeal is what you need to finish you gotta have zeal be committed and devoted can't be just going through the motions you got to remain committed can't be lazy in the relationship when you have zeal can't be complacent because when you become lazy and complacent not only do you lose your passion but you lose your zeal and then you start saying things like we're no longer in love i no longer feel love newsflash love is not a feeling it's not an emotion love is a commitment Ooh, that was worth the money coming here today that just saved a bunch of marriages i know that right now it saved your marriage because love is not an emotion It's unwavering devotion and commitment, whether I feel like it or not. Love is not about you. Love is about the other person. Love is about caring. Love is about being concerned. Love is patient, Paul says. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It's not proud. It's not easily offended. It doesn't keep a record of wrong. 1 Corinthians 13, you got to read it. Love its love is a result of the zeal we have for people for our loved ones or for a cause but relationships that have no passion and relationships that where people lose their zeal will eventually be a relationship of just two people two people and then couples grow apart because they've lost the passion, they lost the zeal. They have no passion, they lose their devotion. And I've counseled so many of these couples who really come to me and it's too late because they've already made the decision. What makes a marriage work? Well, there's a lot of things, but it starts with passion and includes zeal. But did you know that It's easy to lose our passion and our zeal when it comes to our relationships with our loved ones. But do you know that it's easy to lose your passion and zeal when it comes to your relationship with God? Do you know that? Do you know that in order to have a vibrant, growing relationship with Jesus Christ, you have to have zeal? Zeal is the key to us growing in Christ. Zeal is the key to us maturing zeal is the key for us becoming who god wants us to become zeal is so important and what i believe zeal is the missing ingredient to many people's relationship when it comes to god and this is the thing that if we don't maintain our zeal for god we will easily lose our way we will lose our focus And become distant and disconnected from God. If we don't nurture our zeal, if we don't cultivate the zeal for God in our life, zeal is what you need to keep your spiritual fervor. Spiritual fervor, therefore, is the evidence that your faith is alive. By the way, how's that going? How's your zeal? How's your passion for God? How how is your zeal for spiritual things? How is your zeal for the Lord? How's that going in your life right now? How's that passion? Is it fading? Is it dwindling? Is it you're struggling to keep it going? If you're not careful, not only will you lose your passion, you'll lose your zeal. And zeal is what you need to keep your spiritual fervor. And spiritual fervor is evidence that your faith is alive. Show me your spiritual fervor. And I can tell you how you're doing with your faith. And the reality is this. Can I, can I preach what's on my heart today? Can I just be your pastor today? I see a lot of passion in the world. I see a lot of zeal in the world. I see a lot of passion. I was... I'm a big sports fan and I watched, I was watching the playoffs for the Major League Baseball and I turned on the Mets game, not because I'm a Mets fan, I'm actually a Padres fan. I'm a Padres fan tonight, come on somebody, come on somebody, San Diego all the way, all right. I don't really like the Mets, so I always... Anyway, we'll keep going. But <laughs> Citi Field was full of crazies last night. They were just so crazy. Any hit was like a big... <sighs> By the way, it's going to be like that when my Yankees play and win the Pan- win the World Series and go all the way. Right? But this is my point. When it comes to sports, why is it that... Why is it that we have a lot of passion when it comes to things we want to have passion for, but when it comes to things of the spirit, when it comes to, when it comes to Jesus Christ, when it comes to the church, the church. Why is it that we have more passion when it comes to going to a baseball game? We get there two hours early. We leave four hours ahead of time just to make sure we get a parking spot. Just because, just, and just to make sure we get a hot dog. Just, just to make sure. Just to make sure we, we don't miss anything. But when it comes to the church, comes to the things of God. Why is it? Why is it that we lose our passion? Why is it not okay to be passionate in church? Why is it not okay to be zealous for God? Why is it that when you're zealous for God, you're looked at as weird? You're looked at as hyper? Why is it Why is it that you can paint yourself orange and wear an orange wig and look like a fool and wear somebody else's name on your back? Why is it that that's okay when there is not one man that's going to go to you or one Yankee or one sports figure? They're not going to go to your house. They haven't done nothing for you. They haven't saved you. They haven't set you free. They haven't done anything for you. Why is it that that's okay? When we come to church, we got to be all primitive proper. We got to be all like oh, etiquette and we can't be too emotional because the moment we have zeal, the moment we have passion, we're, we're just emotional. And you know, I understand there's weird people. <laughs> That's the problem. <laughs> Can I just keep preaching truth the to you day? Like, like the reason why people don't get too passionate is because there's some people that are weird. But that's even okay sometimes. As long as it's not a distraction, right? As long as you're not acting in a way that is a distraction. Can you lower this a little bit just a here? Right? Why is it that when it comes to the things of God in the house of God, why is it that zeal doesn't consume us? Nehemiah gives us a story. Oh, man, I don't even have time. I don't even have time for today's sermon. I don't. I don't even have time. I'm just starting. I'm not even at the beginning. But if you're patient, maybe we can get through this together. It's the last sermon, and this is the most important one. So here we go. Nehemiah rebuilds the wall in 52 days. Okay? And in Nehemiah chapter 8, what's amazing is that in Nehemiah 7, once the people heard the walls were rebuilt, they begin coming back to Jerusalem, begin settling in Jerusalem. And then in Nehemiah 8, they gathered in the center of town, and Ezra the priest um, pulls out the law, the Old Testament law given by Moses, the book of Moses, It hadn't been read in 140 years. And he gets this platform and he stands up and he begins to read the precious word of God. The people haven't heard it. And once they begin hearing it, they begin to mourn and weep at the words of God. Oh, Lord, would you give us a heart to weep when we hear your word? Would you give us a hunger and a desire and a sensitivity that when we hear your word, we're touched at the inner core of our souls? So they begin to weep and mourn. And Ezra, um, um, Nehemiah says, Stop! There's a time for grieving and there's a time for mourning, but there's also a time for rejoicing. And then he says, this is what he says. This, is, this day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people had been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. Nehemiah said, go and enjoy choice food and sweet drink. Come on, somebody. I <laughs> love it. In other words, it ain't time to cry. It's time to party. It's time to have fun. Now, now when you have a party, and if you're ever going to invite me to a party, choice food for me. In order for a party to be popping, y'all better pray there's some chicken wings up in that place. You know what I'm saying? Like chicken wings, pizza, nachos with buffalo chicken dip. Y'all ever heard of that? Oh my goodness. Buffalo chicken dip. Is that what I call it? Call it right? Buffalo chicken dip. There better be empanadas. (laughs) Just how it is. You know what I'm saying? And that's pretty much what choice, when it comes to sweet drink for me, Iced tea is good for me, everybody. All right, that's good. Or maybe a little Coke diet just to kind of mentally think that I'm helping myself out, <laughs> offsetting the carbs and the calories and sugar it's all good right y'all with me and that's what's going on here they enjoy choice food and sweet drink and he said and send some to those who have nothing prepared this day is holy to the lord do not grieve one of the most important verses underline and highlight it this is the heart of nehemiah for the joy of the lord is your strength the joy of the lord is your strength now listen to this they were full of joy y'all with me still am i boring you all right stay with me listen to this this is so good listen verse 11 verse 17 from the days of joshua son of Nun until that day the israelites had not celebrated like this and their joy was very great we could just read that verse and pass by it and be like wow they had a great party no pause stop think from the days of joshua till that day how many years do you think that was Ten years, twenty years. No, we're talking a thousand years. They had not partied like this for a thousand years. They had passion. I mean, the DJ is mixing, the the place is going crazy. There's smoke coming from the roof. The roof is on fire. I mean, the floor is on fire, the food is flowing, the sweet drink is rolling, and they are letting loose. Come on, somebody. They had joy. Joy, joy, joy. But that wasn't where it ended. We jumped to a few chapters. Now, remember, I got to summarize 13 chapters into today, right? So, so, so here they jumped to chapter 12 now. So they did all this. Then, so then Ezra read the book of the law for seven days from daybreak to noon. And then on the eighth day now, okay, there was, there was repentance. There was grieving. And there was the weeping. And there was, Lord, forgive us, confession for what they had done. Now, in chapter 12, they finally come to the point that they dedicate the wall. Now, this is another amazing party. So, now, 12, verse 20, at the dedication of the wall of Jerusalem, the Levites were sought out from where they lived and were brought to Jerusalem to celebrate joyfully the dedication with songs of thanksgiving. They brought out the musicians, the music of cymbals, the harps, the lyres, right? Not only that, they just threw down even more. In verse 31, I had the leaders of Judah go up and he assigned two large choirs to give him thanks. Every praise is to our God every former worship is one accord and they're praising and they're rejoicing and they're going crazy and this is amazing it wasn't so much that God rebuilt the walls it was what God was doing in their lives it was what God was doing in their midst it was what God was doing in the hearts of the people it was what God was doing in them and through them amazing so far, this is the moment that if this was a movie, the credits will start rolling, the music comes out, and this is an amazing story of how they rebuilt the walls. But unfortunately, this is not a movie, it's real life. And what happens next will blow your mind as it blew mine. So, now, do y'all remember the Three Stooges? We talked about in the message, How to Handle Haters. <laughs> this has been a great series. You got to admit, this has been a good series. How to Handle Haters. You remember those three? Well, there was one named Tobiah, loudmouth. Now, Tobiah, he was always sending messages. He was always discouraging Nehemiah. He was telling them to give. He even hired prophets to, to make false prophecies against Nehemiah. He, he, he was... He he definitely had an evil spirit about him. So now we have a point of victory. And now, y'all ready to get your mind blown? Nehemiah 13, before this, Eliashab the priest, Eliashib the priest, had been put in charge of the storerooms of the house of our God. And he was closely associated with who? Yeah. That one, that one guy, y'all ready? Hold your head, it's gonna explode. And he had provided him with a large room formerly used to store the grain offerings and incense and temple articles. And also the tithes of grain, the new wine and olive oil prescribed for the Levites, musicians and gatekeepers, as well as the contribution for the priests. Nehemiah leaves and goes back to Persia. And when Nehemiah left, Tobiah moved in. Where is Tobiah, right? where, where is he in this passage? Tobiah is not on the outside of the city anymore. Tobiah made an alliance with the priests on the inside. Tobiah is in the temple. And in order to make room for Tobiah, they emptied the storehouse. In this passage, we see that he had one storehouse, but a later on, you realize that he took over not just one, he took over multiple storehouses. How many know that when the enemy can't discourage you from the outside, he'll discourage you from the inside? Right? He's subtle. And there is the chief enemy of Nehemiah and the Jewish people residing in the storehouse. And what did that do? Well, it impacted them because once the storehouse was cleared out, the people stopped contributing. The people stopped worshiping. The people stopped serving. The people and the musicians and the singers went back to their fields and no longer were leading Choirs and no longer were leading worship services in the house of God because Tobiah occupied the sacred rooms. How does this happen? Well, let me kind of speak a little bit on how this happens in the spiritual realm and how this happens in our own life. You see, Nehemiah is symbolic of zeal, of passion of our disciplines, of our love for God, for our passion for the Lord. Nehemiah represents our zeal, our passion, our fire for God. And I want to tell you something today. Whenever you lose your zeal, whenever Nehemiah steps away, whenever you lose your passion, Whenever you lose your fervor, whenever you lose your hunger, whenever you lose the fire, when Nehemiah steps away, church, Tobiah will always move in. Whenever Nehemiah, whenever your passion dissipates, whenever your zeal walks away, I'm going to tell you this, Tobiah, will find a room in your heart. And how does he work? Oh, he gets you distracted. He gets you busy. He gets you focused on your life. You start consuming what was meant to be contributing. You start worrying about your life. You start worrying about the details of your life. And most importantly, you neglect your spiritual life. And you neglect the house of God. And this is a prophetic word I want to give you today that perhaps many of us have lost our zeal and we have allowed Tobiah. We have rented him a room in our lives. Perhaps Perhaps we've lost that passion and we've lost that zeal because remember, whenever Nehemiah steps away, Tobiah comes in and he's subtle, he's quiet. Tobiah will hijack God's purposes for your life. Tobiah will keep you so busy that you forget the things of God. Tobiah will keep you distracted. Tobiah will keep you focused on your, on, on your lives, on yourself, Maybe it's not necessarily an enemy that's opposing you on the outside. Perhaps is a, a, a room in your heart and your life that you've allowed him into your life. But they were doing so good. What happened? What would possess a people, a, a priest to walk away? What would possess these people? I tell you what would possess them. They lost their zeal. They lost their zeal. They were doing so great. They had so much passion, but they lost their zeal. They lost their spiritual fervor. And you know what? This is the last day that I'm ever going to mention the word pandemic or COVID in this church, just to let you know. Last day ever. I'm never going to bring it up again. But I'm going to say this. Do you know what the pandemic has stolen from us the most? The zeal for God and his house. This pandemic has stolen our passion, our passion for life, our passion for God, a passion for working, a passion for church, a passion for, for, just, for just, the passion just for life itself. It's true, isn't it? Y'all don't have to agree with me. That's fine. I love you. When you go to a doctor's office and you're sick, do you want the nurse or the doctor to say you're okay? Or do you want to tell them you have an issue that needs to be looked at and you need help, you need medicine, am I right? Well, Dr. Jesus' is today is letting you know something, that perhaps some of you have lost your zeal and your passion, and it's time to reclaim it in Jesus' name. It's time to reclaim your zeal. It's time to reclaim your passion. So now Nehemiah asks his boss, can I just go back to the temple and check it out and see, go back to Jerusalem and find out what's going on? Nehemiah, don't go. Don't go to Nehemiah because you ain't going to like what you find. So he comes back. My gosh, Nehemiah. Nehemiah comes back to Jerusalem, and he sees what's going on, and he goes ballistic. And he says this, I rebuke the officials and ask them, why is the house of God neglected? Do you know what a church that lacks zeal, you know what are the symptoms are for a church that lacks zeal? One of the symptoms that a people have lacked zeal for God's house is that the house of God is neglected. You can't say you have zeal for God and neglect his house. You can't say, can I just say what I want to say? You cannot say you have zeal for God and you don't get involved with the things of God. Can't say it. So rebuke them. (laughs) It's just the same symbol, the same picture and image of Jesus flipping the tables over. This is exactly the same image. It's connected in Scripture. So you have Jesus goes to the temple, right? And he sees what they're doing in the temple. And he flips out. Jesus had a righteous anger. And he says, this is supposed to be a house of prayer. But you've made it into a den of thieves. And what do his disciples say? This is what they say, say about what Jesus did. This is what he said in John 2, 17. His disciples remembered that it was written, zeal for your house will consume me. Zeal for the house of God will consume you. When you follow Jesus, when you have spiritual fervor and passion, the zeal for God's house will consume you. You will have the same zeal Jesus had for his father's house, You would have it for this house and for his church. David had the same zeal in Psalm 69 verse 9. He said, because zeal for your house has eaten me up. I wonder, have any of us have that type of zeal? That it consumes us, that eats us up. That, that the house of God, the, the passion we have for this house, the passion we have for the house of God, the desire for God to build his kingdom, to, to the privilege we have to partner in building the kingdom of God, that his zeal eats us up. And the reproaches of those who reproach you have fallen on me. Matter of fact, this is a New Testament principle we read in Romans 12, verse 11. He says, What church? Say it with me. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor. What? Serving the Lord. Serving the Lord. Never be lacking in zeal. Remember zeal, enthusiastic devotion. Passion is about emotion. Zeal is about devotion. Passion is about your heart. Zeal is about your strength. We need passion, but what we need more is zeal. Passion chases spiritual goosebumps, but zeal, zeal chooses spiritual grit. What we need are spiritually gritty Christians. <laughs> what we need, how, how you do it? Huh? Is that how you do the gritty? That's what they do when they hit a home run. What we need is spiritually gritty Christians, right? How you do it? Anybody know how to do the gritty? Come on up, buddy. Come on. Come on up, buddy. Come on now. Come on up. Come on up. Teach me. Teach me how we do the gritty. Right here. Good job. Give it up. Can we edit that out of the video? Is that possible? What we need though, are we with me on that? Gritty Christians. Yeah. Gritty Christians. Not, not, you see what we have right now is a generation of people seeking goosebumps. And they're looking for services that would give them the most goosebumps. They're looking for churches that give them the the, the feel good. That's why you go to worship concerts and they're packed because they just give you the, oh, it's just, oh, I feel so good. But, but, but what we need, you see, passion is good to have and it's a start, but what you need is, is zeal, the devotion, the thick and thin. When things are tough, I'm there. When it comes time to change diapers, I'm there. When it comes time to do my part, I'm there. I don't serve. Because I have to. I serve because I want to. I serve because it's who I am. It's because this is my calling. This is this, because this is my church. It's my church. It's my church. So, so real quick, what does zeal look like? I might be done. I might be able to finish in time. I don't know. But what does zeal look like according to Nehemiah? Zeal contributes, doesn't consume. Zeal contributes. We are contributors. We're not consumers. How many are with me on that? We come here because we're called here. Because God brought us here. We don't come here because of what the church can do for me. We come because God has a divine assignment to use you in the church. Did you all get a handout on the way in? If you didn't, raise your hand. Okay, most people did. On the way in... I want you to look at that handout, because on that handout, you will find gates that need to be rebuilt. Gates in your church. This is your church. This is not my church. It's your church. Not my church. This is your church. It's God's church, but he's entrusted it to us, right? And there's gates and gaps. Go ahead, pull it out. Look at it. Go ahead. I'll give you some time. Did y'all not didn't get it? Who did not get it? Okay, host team. Can we give out those handouts while they do that? Want you look at those gaps, those spaces, and those places. And the reason why y'all didn't get them, do you know why? Because we had gaps on the host team today. It's true. We had two people serve on host team today. That's it. So, no two people. So zeal? Commits. Doesn't compromise. Let me explain what was going on here. They were compromising with the world. The people of God started marrying people from, from other nations that worship other gods. Can you imagine that? They were co marrying, it was mixed marriages. In other words, they were combining the secular with the spiritual. If you didn't get it, raise your hand. I have hosts. Come forward, Um, Milady, come forward. And then you'll start from the front to the back. Brian and Milady will give that to you. Just lift your hand. Commit, not compromise. Commit to God. And commit to the things of God. And not compromise your faith. Not compromise what you believe because it's politically correct. Zeal commits and not compromises. But zeal also cares. not careless. And I know some of y'all be thinking, maybe so the church has gaps. Ain't my problem. Because that's what the Holy Spirit just spoke to me right now. Some of you are thinking, that's not my problem. Oh, yes, it is. Oh, you better believe it is your problem. Oh, yes, it is. Why? Because we have been called to build his church. We just sang it. How does Jesus build his church? Through you and through me. We have all been called to build his church, his kingdom. Your first and most important priority is to build God's kingdom, not yours. Not yours. Not yours. Build the kingdom of God and the purposes of God. Not just in the church, but also outside the church. Because the only thing that will last When you breathe your last breath on this earth, the only thing that will last is what you've done for Christ. And in the name of Christ. Contributes, not consumes, commits, not compromises, and cares. Maybe you've lost your passion for serving. Maybe you've lost your passion. I know it's hard. I know it's busy, but think about it. Think about it, we're asking you to serve for three hours a month. One service and sit in another twice a month. Can I preach? Can I be your pastor? And can I speak the truth? Because y'all sit in front of a TV for three hours like it's nothing. But why is this so hard to serve? Because you've lost the zeal. We've lost the zeal. The zeal for God's house does not consume us. The Mets do. The Yankees do. Our hobbies do. Our job does. So how do we recapture the zeal? How do we recapture, number one, How do we reclaim our zeal? Number one, you repent for losing zeal. Come on up, repent, because it's time to recapture the zeal. Saying, "Lord, help me, help me, give me a zeal for Your house." You repent. What does repent means that you 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 confess and you say, "Lord, I have treated Your things lightly. I have not cared." The way you want me to care and don't say you're too young to serve don't say you're too old though i don't want to hear it because jesus don't want to hear it if you're still breathing if you're not dead god's not done with you if you're breathing you have a purpose if you're breathing god has a plan and it's greater than what you ever can dream or imagine god wants to use you number one repent and number two Pray for God to restore your zeal. Say, Lord, I've lost it. Invite the Holy Spirit to revive your zeal. And lastly, return to God and reclaim your zeal. Church, can I be honest? That's just a slogan. I've been honest the whole day, but I just wanted it to be like, <laughs> like real. I love this church, but we are at a crossroads. If we don't reclaim our zeal, we'll be nothing but an empty shell. Empty shell. With a few people just trying to keep the doors open. The church of Jesus Christ will continue and will be built. But the question is, do we want to be a part of that in the building process? Or do we just want to sit comfortable and let everybody else do the work? I'm not talking to first-time guests, visitors, people that are new to our church. I'm talking about regular attenders, been here for months and years. Put your hand in the plow? You're gonna care? One day God will call me out, but you'll still have your church. See, it's not my church, it's his church. Are we gonna choose to flourish and grow and build and do? Listen, chunk or treat, I'm gonna be honest with you. We only have two chunks, three chunks. Susan, five. We're up to five now. We need twenty more. We have two weeks, three weeks, three weeks. Like we need fifty volunteers. People serving. And you can say it ain't my problem. Yes, it is. Because I leave you with this: Jesus will hold you accountable with what you did with the time here on earth. He'll hold you accountable. it will let's not be that church let's be a people full of zeal full of passion imagine if we all had the zeal of God imagine what we could do in this community do you know there's so many people that need hope and help they just lost they need help they're addicted and they're they're just struggling and they need help imagine the impact we could make imagine if we all Said, Lord, give me your zeal. Thank you for allowing me to preach way longer than I should have, but I needed to. I needed to. Let's bow in prayer. Lord, thank you for your zeal. Thank you for your passion and your heart. Give it to us, Lord, our heart. May it be your heart. Your heart may it be our heart. Break our hearts with what breaks yours. That's what we've prayed for 52 days as we end, Lord. Break our hearts with what breaks yours. Fill us with passion and zeal for your house, with the things of God. I pray you raise up godly men of God that would reclaim the zeal of God in their homes. In the name of Jesus, I pray men and women of God would reclaim the zeal of God for their church. Reclaim the zeal for God and their community. Lord, thank you for speaking to us because of your great love for us. Lord, we love you and we praise you and we thank you in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen, amen. Do you know how much I love you? I love you with all of my heart. God bless you. Have an awesome week. We'll see you next week. God bless you.